Regina, thank you so much for doing this project with me. It is always a treat to see you and play with you. You're well, just the best. Man, thank you for having me. As soon as, as soon as I got the call, I was like, Christian, yep, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you something. Everyone, many people know your story. You're originally from Detroit. You are a very, you're, you're rightly, correctly regarded as like one of the premier musicians on any instrument uh, on the music scene. Growing up in Detroit, Michigan, I mean, you started at two playing the piano. Was that like, uh, was it a natural calling to go to the piano or did you feel forced? Like, oh man, I don't want to do this. No, you know, my, my mother, I don't, I think I was too young for her to even think about starting me in music, right. but my brothers, I heard them practicing every day and their teacher would come to the house and give them their lessons. Now, now how did you discover jazz, particularly playing the violin? <laughs> In high school, Carla Cook. Ah. <laughs> we met. We love Carla. Yeah, we met in Spanish class. She would come to school every day talking about Eddie Jefferson. Mm. And I didn't know who he was. I didn't. I because I didn't grow up listening to jazz sure. in my household. So I think she brought me some recordings of Noel Pointer, Jean sure. Conti, and Stephen Grappelli. Wow. And then uh, a couple years later, she took me uh, to hear Stefan Grappelli live in Detroit. And A, I was very much attracted to uh, the improvisation because my first teacher on violin actually taught us about improvisation, but in the Baroque style. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a lost art form in classical Kind of like what we just did. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I wasn't afraid to, to be off the paper and try things. Um, but when I saw, seeing a live concert, yeah. the fact that they could have their own voice and interpret the music the way they wanted to instead of someone saying, you have to play it like this right. every single time. Right. So all, all of that uh, just really attracted so me. So Carla played a very integral part in introducing you to the oh, music, yeah. huh? Yeah, and what people don't know, Carla was a bass player in high school. She played <laughs> upright bass. <laughs> I, did, I did not know that. No wonder she's so soulful. Oh my goodness. So you, you get introduced to jazz, and when did you start playing professionally, like making jazz gigs? There were all those groups in the in the uh, 70s. Like, so um, you were doing like pit gigs? No, no, like with a band. Oh, really? Out in like, you know, clubs and stuff. I was, way, I was underage. <laughs> I was just about to say, I mean, I know you're not that old, so wow. <laughs> Yeah, I was underage in clubs with another violinist. We had we played the what are the groups that had like Fly Robin Fly and uh, <laughs> ELO. I played with Brainstorm. No kidding. Yeah. Be a whole string section or just no, two just violins? No, two violins. And in Brainstorm, it was just me wow. doing the string parts. But I I really I probably got more serious about jazz in in college mm -hmm. um and then started learning because it's start learning how to listen where'd what you to go to college to. again i went to new england conservatory uh -huh. for two years but then i transferred to oakland university in michigan Rochester, okay michigan. okay but uh i think my first professional gig probably was with you was it with uh probably straight ahead i think when i i because i lived out of the country and came back and, and worked with an all women's group in detroit called and like I said off the record a few minutes ago, what I've always loved most about your playing is you have the perfect balance. You have the perfect balance of the brain and the heart. And, you know, it's hard to come by musicians that have the perfect balance. They're usually heavy on one and light on the other. <laughs> they either got too much grease or, or, or too much, you know, neutral sweet. <laughs> 
or something. Well, that's a, well, that's a big compliment, and coming from you, thank no, you, because man. Christian, I'm sorry. <laughs> you should stand in the mirror and say that. Oh, get out of here. Please, come on. Come uh, on. How much are you? <laughs> Anyhow, um, and I, I have to talk about this. You know, you are, it, it was very well publicized. You won the uh, Genius Grant, which you so. Me and Wiley Coyote. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I want to ask you is what you do with all that money? No. Well, the go- what the government didn't take, <laughs> let's start there. <laughs> yeah, so you made well, about half, yeah, half yeah, of that, right? Yeah, yeah, they take a big chunk. Actually, you know what? I want to back up a little bit. You also did something really, really special, and I know how much of a challenge it was when you got to play the, the famous Paganini violin. Now, please walk us through that one last time. <laughs> I, I, I know you've must be blue in the face talking about that but that was such i don't know if you know how many people were pulling for you i you know it's it amazing. amazing when you're going through it you don't realize but going back now and reading some of the press and yeah. just and, and meeting people that are not musicians or in the music world uh seeing how much it affected them um helps me to to even realize how much more of a deal it really was i know i was it was a blessing for me yeah. to play his violin um it's usually it's kept in a museum uh, in Genoa, and uh, usually only classical European classical violinists sure. who win the competition get to play it. So a friend of mine that lives in Genoa came up with this idea that after hearing a recording, a rehearsal recording that I had done, uh, John Clayton had written some string charts for me, mm-hmm. the Mancini Institute. Orchestra. Right. So it was supposed to be an orchestra gig, but it just ended up being with my quintet. But there were several interviews, a lot of red tape, a lot of this, that, and the other. A lot of people that were totally against me playing the violin. Some very, you know, ugly and backwards thoughts that playing jazz would devalue the instrument sometimes. Does of it way. surprise you that that mentality still prevails no. in this day no. and age? Yeah. Uh, if you, <laughs> this day and age, yeah. you watch TV and see what's going yeah, on exactly. with, you know. You know, you would think that in the 21st century, jazz would still in some circles be regarded as quote-unquote legitimate music we're, st- we're still fighting for that yeah you know yeah. it's like jazz is music that you know it, it's uh it's beneath you know quote-unquote classical music and you know you can't yeah. touch this violin someone like oscar peterson or art tatum oh they're beneath you know european classical players and like are you nuts well when you think about it music when people learn music or learn about a music they we have a tendency sometimes to just try and learn the music right. and you can't separate music from the culture so if you realize yes. that music and culture is one all together right. and then how people this says a lot about how people think and how they think about the people that the music comes from usually only people maybe studying baroque music mm-hmm. deal with improvisation yes but other than that once you get past the baroque composers right. they don't they, they don't do it anymore yeah and it's really a shame and it's the way the music is at least the way I was taught in the conservatory if you play a piece by a certain composer it has to have certain nuances all the time or it has to be played this way right which from it takes it takes the life out of the music and 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 even how audiences have been trained that you can't clap in between Mm -hmm. the movements Mm -hmm. anymore that wasn't how it was you know this music people didn't go it was it was party music basically life and so now if someone 
doesn't know any better and they respond to the music you can feel the vibe in the audience like yeah. don't you should know better or something's wrong and it's it just kills the music yeah well i i think that with people like yourself on the scene people who know a little bit a little bit about both worlds you know what i mean we can we can bring that together uh one person who i've had a great the time talking to about this very same subject is Lalo Schifrin. Mm-hmm. And Lalo always says the same things like, they've taken all the life out of the music. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, Lalo rap. Well, you know, what's, what's next for you? You got so many great things going on. What's up next? Well, I'm working on my next project. I've been listening to and collecting music from all over Africa. And mm. um, I found some music from the uh, Jewish people in Uganda. Uh-huh. And uh, some of the music is actually from the Torah, but there's some other traditional music, and it's just really, it's soulful. That's all I can say. It's I, just I can soulful. only imagine. Have you been to Africa? Uh, only South Africa, so I'm trying to get back. Uh, and... Yeah, that's, I had an opportunity to go last year, and I mean, it really is heavy, right? Yes, and see, I, when I went to South Africa, it was pretty much right after uh, apartheid. Oh, and... so you went a while ago. Mm-hmm. Well, Regina... I look forward to the next time we can hang, next time we can yeah. play, make some more music. You are absolutely one of the best. I love playing with you, and thank you for having me on this project. Anytime, anytime. Mm-hmm.